0: Welcome to this podcast featuring Pastor Michael Lay, the Director of Operations of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate news source for developments in Israel, the Middle East, and the world. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Telegram. And don't forget to download our free app, Available on Android and Apple under Behold Israel. And make sure to visit our website at BeholdIsrael.org. It is an honor to be specifically here at this church. Thank you for trusting us for this prophecy conference. A lot of places don't. A lot of places look with suspicion, and rightfully so. There's a lot of content and clickbait sensationalism kooks out there disseminating lies and conspiracy theories, and it's not based on the Word of God. Now, I, I preface that by saying today we are going to be looking at a topic that was launched just a few months ago in South Africa. It's called neo-paganism, Globalism's New I'm assuming that you're starting at uh, certain points of knowledge. If you've watched some of our videos, if you've interacted with some of our teachings uh, or conferences, you'll know what globalism is, you'll know what its agenda is, and it's a global initiative to bring the world together, just like in the Bible days when the world wanted to come together without God and resisting his Messiah. It's the Psalm 2 type stuff, Psalm 2 type stuff. I also want to make the disclaimer, um, I'm in the United States Air Force Reserve a Chaplain's Corps, and there's a few stories I'm going to be sharing. I share these, and there's, no, um, there's nothing classified, there's no CUI, there's no FOUO, there is no PII, public affairs, and everything that is said here today is my opinion and the opinion of Behold Israel as it uh, pertains to this conference in the context. So having said that, one day I was doing my military duty, and in walks a gentleman, and he says, I would like a, a beard waiver. In the United States military, you can't have certain things like beards unless you have a waiver. And uh, I said, okay, um, what led you to want a beard waiver? He says, well, I am a worshiper of the Nordic gods. And I said, really? I said, okay, have a seat. Let's talk. And uh, yeah, yeah, okay, you see where this goes. And uh, I said... I said, look, um, what I wanted to say was, are you the Walmart version or the Marvel version? Um, but you got to take this stuff seriously, okay? I said, so um, are, you, are you serious? Are you actual or are you, or are you just kind of like excited about the new Marvel series of the Avengers and all of that with Thor? And he looked at me straight in my eyes and he said, oh no, I have an altar to Odin in my backyard what else do you want to know? I said, well, you know, um, that's interesting. And we talked. And just for the record, um, he engaged me with the conversation. Make that clear. He asked me, what are your thoughts, chaplain? Um, What do you think? Uh, You're a man of spirituality. And I said, have you considered that Nordic religions disappeared because of another perceived, stronger, lesser demand religion flooded Scandinavia. He said, what do you mean? He said, can you, I said, can you think of a time in history where these pagan religions were uprooted and replaced with something else that reigns supreme for hundreds of years, even culturally to this very day. He says, you mean Christianity? I said, yeah. And from there we got into these discussions of his experience with paganism, literally in his own backyard, and he wanted to hear my stories of when there were times that Jesus demonstrated his power through people's lives, whether it be forgiveness or healings or outright demonization, possession type stuff where they had to leave. My final question to him was very simple. If you're searching for a religion, do you want to get something that is the most powerful, where it has the most powerful leaders, where it has the most truth? What are you going to bet your soul on? And I'll leave it with you. And he, he, he looked and said, you know, you've, you've given me a lot to think about, chaplain. I'm going to have to think about that. Um, I didn't evangelize him in the traditional sense, I asked him some hard questions about where he was at. And this all started because of a beard waiver. Now, you may not know this, but around you right now, even in Nashville, actually especially in Nashville, especially in entertainment cities, and especially throughout the world, There is a new uprising of ancient paganism repackaging itself in neo paganism, i.e., new paganism. And because Christianity and The monotheistic religions of the world, Islam and Jude- Judaism, because because those are becoming more and more a threat to globalism, either those monotheistic religions, including Christianity, have to compromise their core beliefs so that we can get along. Proof of that is the Abraham Accords in Abu Dhabi. They want to build an Abrahamic pavilion, which consists of a synagogue, a church, and a mosque, all in the name of unity. So, for globalism to truly work, it has to take all of these exclusive dogmatic religions and get them to compromise or get people to leave them completely and embrace an entire new entity. This is the journey we're going to be on in the next 45 minutes. Let's go to Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, so that you can see a snapshot of what is going to happen in the future that will show up in the tribulation period. If you're coming into Bible prophecy right now, the Bible Bible prophesies that in the future there will be a seven-year period of trouble that will befall the earth. The church will be raptured out, and then the world will go into pure chaos. The religion of the world has already started. It's the globalism. It has a great sticker tag on it. It looks so nice and luster, and the world is just adoring its values. And here is what it says in Revelation 18, verses one through three. John says, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from the heaven, having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. The nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, strong words. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. We're talking about a system that will reign supreme in the tribulation and it will be built even before the tribulation, it will crescendo and it will fall. It will be an infestation of demonic forces deceiving the world to think that they're actually celebrating oneness. And it will actually be a global, universal thing that you should go into any city in the world and it will be the same flavor, the same culture, the same system. The Greeks have tried to do this. The Romans have tried to do this. Many other nations have tried to globalize their nationalistic and religious pride, and history proves that they have failed. However, now, because of technology, because of the tools that we have, not only do we have a global culture that's appreciated, you can go from Miami to Cape Town, and you can go to Helsinki, Finland, and you can go to Tokyo. And if you're a globalist and you hang out with most of the people which are globalist, they're gonna believe the same stuff you believe. It's just like in the Roman world, when you would travel from port to port, there'd, be, there'd always be an amphitheater, Roman food, everybody'd be wearing Roman, they'd, they'd use Roman currency. With the advent of cryptocurrency, that's enabled a lot of the third world countries to participate in goods and services, and that will continue, and it will actually become more developed. So that we're clear at the get-go, because I'm gonna be talking about this later, about technology and how we use it. The world is using tech, and they're inventing tech for their purposes. There's no question. I have an iPhone. I use this on their platforms and I pay them services and so do you. But for every time they use it for evil, I can use it four times for good so that the Gospel and the Word of God can go out because they let me. In many cases, they actually pay us to do that. That day is a special day that we live in now that will not continue definitely won't be true in the tribulation period. And so I want you to know I'm not against tech. I use tech and the techniques of the world against them to expose them in what they really want to do. Now, let me just give you a brief tour through history. Here we have the Tower of Babylon in Genesis chapter 11, and it says very clearly that the people wanted to make a name great for themselves. Babel is the Hebrew word for confusion, Le in Hebrew, and it's the Tower of Confusion. That's why the languages were confused at that tower. That became a very huge metaphor throughout history. Even the actual city of Babylon, the technique would be to conquer another power, exile them from their own land and bring them to Babylon, <clears throat> same route, Babel. After time, they'd get confused. They would forget their own identity and they would take on the language, the customs and the culture of Babylon. And this was the ultimate way to get a whole culture and people to commit social, religious and political suicide. They did it to themselves. That's right. There was only one people group that didn't in Babylon's history and that is Israel. Ironic that this country called Israel, this people called Israel, would show up again and again and again over a period of time, and even today have their own country as a fulfillment of prophecy. Peter referenced Babylon, referring to the church in Rome. He knew the prophecies of Daniel and connected all of the pieces and used that term so that the believers understood the eschatological program of God. And here we find in Revelation, it was already known, the concept had grown up so that everybody in the church world that read Revelation knew what he was referring to. Up until about 10 to 20 years ago, globalism included monotheistic religions, in some cases even promoted monotheistic religions like Christianity, Judaism. Some of the polytheistic religions and the pantheistic religions had a place. Now, globally, we're becoming more and more hated because our values are incompatible to globalism and the new globalism. The values of Christianity, Judaism, and even Islam do not recognize homosexuality as being a valid lifestyle, biblically, Quranically, or from the Old Testament or the midrashas, Okay? Another example is each of these monotheistic religions believe that revelation from God is exclusive and in a document in the case of Islam, the Quran, in a case of us, the bold New Testament, and the Jews, the Old Testament. The world cannot swallow that because they're saying truth is relative and you can be anything you want. It's up to you. If you identify as a bird, be a bird. Quick story, I dropped my son off at the youth group. Parents aren't really allowed in there. It's only volunteers and leaders. I checked him in, and they said, sir, you can't enter. I was the pastor of this church, so it was awkward, you know. I'd like to sit down. And uh, they said, yeah, you can't get in unless you're a student or volunteer or leader. I said, well, I identify as a 14-year-old right now. Oh, and they looked at me and said, <laughs> yeah, right. I said, oh, no, and then I was starting to argue with them a little bit, because I wanted to see where this goes, and they were looking, and everybody was awkward. I said, come on, guys, I identify as a 14-year-old. It doesn't matter what my driver's license says. It doesn't matter what you think. This is my reality, and I want to sit down over there with my fellow friends. And then I said to them, everyone was watching, I said, did you see what just happened? I came in and disrupted your world and no one had the confidence to say no. Your compassion and your empathy, without any boundaries, put us all in an awkward place and the world doesn't want those parameters of truth anymore because if somebody feels something, let them do it and be that. Dial one eight hundred insanity. That's where this is going. Neo paganism. Now, are you ready to be angered? Maybe shocked? Aware? If you walk out of this session and you have a deeper situational awareness for what's going on around you, and you have a game plan of how to handle neo-paganism when it pops its head in specific individuals that you're seeking to minister to, you will have succeeded in listening and being equipped in this session. Let me put the definition up there so we all know what's happening. Neopaganism, this is a definition from Cambridge Dictionary, it's not my definition, this is what the world says uh, neopaganism is. It's a modern religion that includes beliefs and activities that are not from any of the main religions of the world. For example, the worship of nature the practitioners of neo paganism are reviving ancient pagan practices and beliefs of pre-christian europe that's why i parked on the nordic gods there for a moment the forms of neo paganism they take they take are so varied they almost defy description so be- before we get into the depth of this my challenge to you is go and do some research on neo-paganism, and then you compare that to what you see going on around you, I'm going to give you the clues and some examples, and then I'm going to give you a little training session of how you need to deal with it in today's day and age. We are an Awaiting His Return conference. While we stand in a restraining role, we will confront evil. We we need to know how to deal with it when it comes. it's, it's Neopaganism is popular in several different examples, and I'm just going to use these as an example. For example, when you go to the movies, watch this. Let me throw that up there. For example, Marvel and DC Comics really took a turn in the last 20 years in how they engineer movies. When you go and see these movies, identify some of the ancient occultic and neopagan practices that are over sold within the movies, even to the point where they appear really cool And you may even want to do some of those things in reality. So, for example, you have the Scarlet Witch or Doctor Strange, who is a sorcerer. And these are superheroes. Granted, they existed by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby way back in the day when they invented these. Post-World War II era, two Jewish guys feeling beat down with their people beat down, trying to invent super powerful characters so that the world can latch on to hope. But there is a turn of darkness that's happened because of today's technology. The Joker now is a very dark creature rather than that white-skinned guy from the 60s. (laughs) You know, he's now really dark. And you look at all of the neo-pagan influences in the comics alone. Watch for that because it's very popular. You'll find Nordic gods, you'll find Roman gods, Greek gods, Egyptian gods, they're everywhere. Which leads me to video games. Watch this in video games. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch movies or play video games, but when you do, watch for these signals. You're gonna see a very clear um, value casting of actual pagan and ancient pagan religions overtly without any shame right on down to the names that were taken from documents thousands or hundreds of years ago from those very religions themselves being sold as a cool factor for your students board games is another example board games including tarot cards and outright occult to very fun cards that celebrate the dossier of an ancient god and you fant- to be that God on a board game to experience victory and build your own kingdom. Let us make a a name great for ourselves coming through board games. Music. One of the most powerful mediums of today, and I don't need to remind you for those who who live in Nashville, whether we sing to the Lord and have an ecstatic emotional experience, just brings us before the throne and wants us to take down mountains, conquer, bust through doors for the sake of the gospel. The world is using music to infill The minds and the hearts of people always have since the inception of humanity, nothing new here. But watch the turn in the nature of the symbols, which really started a lot in the 60s, and you'll trace them back to pagan roots. Festivals have become very popular in today's day and age. Right there in my own backyard in Minneapolis, we have the Renaissance Festival. It has nothing to do with celebrating the historic period of the Renaissance, there's a token effort. But most people there go and dress up to live. A temporary fantasy includes magic wands, occult, all kinds of palm reading, tarot card reading, and it's an excuse to come out of the hidden basement closet where occult and paganism is being celebrated. I'm giving you these just as a snapshot for you to be aware that when you go out to movies, when you watch people play video games, when you listen to music, watch some of the lyrics, watch some of the symbols, and see what is going on with the engineers behind the scenes. This is not new, but there is a noticeable acceleration of it. Now, they disguise it in heroism, bravery, inspiration. They disguise it by giving you a sense of euphoria, and it's a starting point. <clears throat> a lot of the young people that we see even come on our young adult tours to Israel, some of them go into what we call episode. When I was, a, when I was in, in the pastorate uh, more and more cases where people were calling the pastorate complaining about manifestations in the house, dark presences, oppressive, feeling weight, temperature change, e- outright levitation, okay? electronics going berserk. Okay? These are all examples of when demons play within the physical realm. Now, we're not talking about outright Satanism. We're talking about neo-paganism and a lot of the portholes that Satan is using in pop culture, or shall we say the new pop culture within globalism. See, the new Satanism isn't the old Anton LaVey Satanism where a bunch of guys drink blood and urine and sit in the basement with a pentagram and do all of that. Today's Satanism is do what you want, when you want, with whom you want, where you want, whatever you want. It's pure unrestrained lifestyle. No rules. And therefore, they have the symbols. It's not like the old days. Some of these so-called Satanists may not even say they actually have a conversation with demons or Satan. It's all about them, which makes sense because the mark of the beast in the tribulation is all about man. 666, it's the number of a man. Number of man. Are you ready for a sharp turn and some biblical equipping now? Until recently, and I want to be careful what I say on this, paganism has never had a place at the table for the LGBt plus q f- d- multiplied by 5 times 6 uh, gbdl coded percentage okay? And I just say that for fun. I-, I-, I know some of you may not think that's funny, but... Because paganism has always kind of looked itself as the natural order of things earth worship, you know, the rising of the sun, the setting of the sun, trees growing, fruits coming. It's the, it's the worship of creation and, and oneself. But today, paganism, i.e., neo paganism, embraces and actually pushes the LGBT agenda. And so, Paganism has actually been compromised within the global network of beliefs and it calls itself neo-paganism. We're the new paganism. There's a place at the table for sexual malleability and we encourage that. If you see someone from the LGBT community, they are saying to you with their lifestyle that they are wounded, they've been abused, and they need help. Okay? Your tactic for them is to start with love and to share with them there is ways to walk healthy in life, to not have to struggle with depression, fear, or anxiety. There is a community that will love you. Be that community. You will see neo-paganism within the LGBT community big time because it's a philosophy that really embraces them. You'll also see it in body art and tattoos. When you see tattoos, ask people questions. You would love them to ask questions about your tattoos, right? Hey, that's my mom. That represents this. This is a period of thing I went through in my life. We love to share stories about ourselves. This is one of the funnest things to do in evangelism in the military. Ah, I see you got a tattoo. That's really interesting. What does that skull mean with that snake coming out of the ear? (laughs) Well, that represents my uncle who was a real bleep, 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 bleep. Oh, interesting. Sounds like you're upset about that. Tell me more, and you can get into these conversations. Body art and tattoos is where you'll see neo paganism. Outright symbols. Wow, that's an interesting symbol. Looks like you have a pentagram there. Um, what does that mean? Well, that's the pagan symbol. I'm a pagan. Interesting. Tell me more about that. What led you to that? Well, you know. And they'll, they'll likely say, well, I've had a really hard life. People have, been ab- have abused me and I have not known what's, what's uh, it's, I have a false sense of power in it. Whatever. You also see it not only in body art and tattoos, but in the public expression. You'll see it in malls. You'll see it in protests. You'll see it in universities. It is happening right underneath your nose. You'll see it in the green movement, in the preservation of the so-called earth their view. They want to save the earth. This is where it really comes from in its ancient pagan roots. And the green movement is driven by a lot of paganism. We're releasing a video right now. We took an atheist scientist, atheist, who became disillusioned with the so-called science of the green movement. And he's coming out and saying, this is not really scientific. It's actually (laughs) from some other source. A new religion. That's an atheist, not us saying that. We already knew that, but he's saying that. And you'll see it in concerts. Okay, concerts, you'll see neopaganism. First, what to expect in the last days with neopaganism? Watch this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. And if you're reading in Greek, the Greek word a is before the next series of words. In other words, when we say atheist, that means no God. A person doesn't believe in God. Atheist. It says here, disobedient to parents. Apithes. Against parental authority. Unthankful, akaristoi. Against appreciation. Unholy, anusoi. Against, it's actually not just, I don't really, it's not my cup of tea, it's against holiness. Think about that. Unloving, astorgoi. Against neighborly love. I hate it when you ask me for eggs. You should buy them for yourself. There's no more milk or eggs. Just go do it yourself. I hate you, neighbor. (laughs) I was lighting fireworks off for the 4th of July, and one of my neighbors became so upset with me, she came out unglued, swore at me. There was kids everywhere. It was a mess. There was a lot of hate against neighbor on neighbor. Look what it says here, unforgiving, aspandoi, against forgiveness. In other words, cling to bitterness. This is what we should expect in the last days, according to Paul, telling Timothy. Slander, the word there is diaboloi, people that take a life and spin their life story and sell it as a lie to the community where the community believes it and looks at that person as being evil. That is called slander and the Greek word is diaboloi which means demonic. In the last days. Without self-control, brutal, I'm not gonna go into all the words, and uh, the the despisers of good. The the next list has the Greek word pro. So they're against those words. Now they're for these words. Watch. uh, Traitors. Prodotoi. They actually promote backstabbing. Headstrong. They're disposed towards recklessness, haughty. They are, they are pro-lovers of pleasure rather than God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. If those are your closest friend homeboys and they believe that stuff, feel free to have some new friends, okay? In Daniel chapter 12, we go back in time to verse 4 and all the way to 13, Daniel 12. It says this, after the vision that Daniel was exposed to about the shakedown of end times and the sequence and the chronology, the angel says, you Daniel, Daniel 12, 4 through 13 shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And what that means is, is that, prophecy and revelation of God was very limited when Daniel closed off his book. The entire New Testament had been written yet. Many of the books of the Old Testament hadn't been written yet. And so knowledge will increase in prophecy and it will be clear for the generations that will follow to understand what I just told you. But it's also true on the reverse. As God is revealing his revelation all the way through the book of Revelation, the world is also countering that narrative with its own slander trying to sell a product that mimics God's and sells the nations and that is globalism. And I'm telling you the fuel for the next wave is fueled not by the monotheistic world religions that have compromised, it's actually actually fueled by neo-paganism says here in verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, this is verse 5 of Daniel chapter 12, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on the, that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Verse seven. Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his life, left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be a time, times, and a half time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. A time is a year, Times, two times is, is three years, and a half time is a half year. Three and a half years. Watch this. The vision will be sealed at the end of three and a half years. A time, times, two years, and a half time. In the middle of the tribulation period, seven years in the middle, three and a half years in, The Antichrist, according to Daniel, if you read this, will betray the Jews and they will go and many of them will be on the run for their life and many of their lives will be taken. At the end of that three and a half years, the Messiah will come, redeem his people, and put an end to the evil. That's what it says. And then at verse 8, although I heard, I did not understand that I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And watch this. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. There's nothing anybody can do to change this. It's inevitable. It's in concrete. Let's pause for a moment. Isn't it nice to know that we found the truth when we did? Aren't you thankful about that? Don't you wake up some days and say, wow, thank you, God. I could have been like some sheep in the world that didn't know these things. Now, let's not get arrogant about it. We got a lot of work to do. He says this, Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand." And from the time that the holy sacrifice is taken away, that's the middle of the tribulation, and the abomination of desolation is set up in the middle of the tribulation, there shall be 1,290 days. How long is that in years? Anyone know? Three and a half years. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. there's a discrepancy of days. So you have three and a half years and then you have uh, a little fudge there. If you were the second, if you were Jesus and you came back and you had a world that was a mess, there's all kinds of military equipment that you just blew up from the word of your mouth. No. (laughs) You know, you would need some time to set up a kingdom and get some new governors and I don't know how it's going to work. Jesus can appoint people. We don't need elections. Perfect govern- perfect king. This takes time. That's my theory. But three and a half years and a period to set up the kingdom. Evil will increase, folks. We can win and have Josiah-type reforms, Hezekiah-type reforms. That's what we pray for, and that's why we evangelize, because we don't know when the rapture is going to happen. We don't know. And whatever freedoms that we do have right now, we're responsible to use those to advance righteousness and the gospel. If we don't, then we are missing an opportunity. So that's what you can expect in the last days. Neo paganism, in my view... In my opinion, based on Daniel, it will be the evil that will flood this whole new system of globalism and bring us back to the pagan religions and without any restraint, it'll actually redefine the ancient pagan religions. Number two, and then this is my final point, it's it's just a two point teaching, it's very simple, okay? (laughs) Two, ministry in the neo-pagan world. Now comes time, we've established situational awareness. Now you know what to look for. Now we're going to, uh, you've seen what the Bible says about the predictions of the end time, straight from Daniel. Now I need you to pay close attention because if you've missed everything that I've said, this is gonna land on your front door. This already landed in many of your houses and that is the evil of neo-paganism and what it's doing to our students, our grandkids and our kids and the complexities that it it really gives us. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about mental illness. We're going to talk about what demonization looks like. We're going to talk about how to handle either of those. If we live in the end times, which I believe we do, if evil is going to increase, which we see it is, if we see the evidence of that in reality, we do. We can only expect more and more uh, incidents of evil. First John Ministry in, in the neo-pagan world. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Do not forget, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. That's the stuff that goes through people's minds, through all of the mediums, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This was true even in the first century. But this you know, the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and now already is in the world. You, verse 4, are of God, little children, and have overcome them. That's the world, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in in the world. You have overcome them based on who you are. You stand in victory. Don't be scared. You say, I don't know. I don't feel very confident. Uh, you know, I sinned last night. I just went too far. And now today I've got this situation in my home. I don't know what to do. with. I don't feel the confidence. Ask the Lord to forgive you and get on with ministry. Ask the Lord to give you a vision for holy living, and he will. Who do you think cares more about your holiness, you or God? He does. Who do you think cares more about your peace of mind, you or God? God. The point of the cross is to bring you to a place where you actually are acting as a child of God with the confidence of a child of the Lord. All right. He says here, they are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. You ever notice that? When they speak to each other in the world, they all understand. They're all speaking the same language, and you're like, wow, that's like parachuting into the planet of the apes. None of this makes sense. Okay? We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error first century was plagued with false teachers, It starts in the mind, you know, the battlefield is in the mind. We're either convinced that we should do something or not, the temptation starts in the mind. It's the battlefield, that's where the whispers of the devil come, it's in the mind. That's where the Spirit of God works for our decision-making processes, in the mind. See, Satan knows that, and so whatever comes into the mind could be either true or false. If you're used to truth, you're going to typically look at the world from that lens. If you typically hear lies and you hang out with people that have believed in lies, that's going to be your worldview and you will defend it to the death either way. Depends on your conviction. Now, I'm going to check the time. In the last 10 minutes, I don't want to freak you out, but... This has gotten to be too much of an issue for our pastors and our leaders. So we are going to have to band together in these last days and deal with this issue together. And what is the issue? The issue is since globalism is now completely intact and since neo-paganism is fueling it every day more and more, principle of inevitability leads us to conclude exactly what Daniel prophesied, that evil will continue and increase. We also know that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So you're going to expect more and more influences in your family and in your churches where people will go into literally demonic episode, false teachings will become much more disseminated, we're gonna to have to play whack a What much more in the church all over the world for evil and false teaching and craziness. You will be branded as a traitor. You will be branded as the enemy. You will be branded as the unintelligent. You will be branded as the ignoramus who doesn't understand progress. You see what they're doing? This will infect and has already infected many churches globally. But I want you to consider these last three things. First of all, check your own walk with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 13, verses five through six. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you, know, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are indeed or are disqualified? But I trust you will know that we are not disqualified. What does he mean he means that there is a lot of confusion in the corinthian church there was all kinds of stuff going on in the corinthian church if you wanted to look at a church and ask the question what not to do as a church the corinthian church was the template of everything what not to do okay and so he's like looking at this whole church and he's saying wow i don't know who really is one of the true followers of god You guys need to do yourselves a favor. You need to take your life, you need to start reading the Word of God, and you need to test your life to whether or not you are of the faith. And that means whether you believe the teachings and you're following Jesus based on the Word of God rather than this culture. Because it was so bad in Corinth that there was a guy running around in the church saying, I'm having sexual relationships with my stepmom. Isn't that cool? And Paul says, even non-believers don't even do that stuff. Knock it off, man. That's how bad it was. They were committing gluttony at the Lord's Supper and proud of it while people came later and didn't have a bite to eat. This, I mean, this, this place was a... They were a mess. Test yourself. How do you test yourself? You listen to the Word of God. You hang out with like-minded people. And you go to church. Go to church. Oh my gosh. There was a few amens. Everyone's like, I don't know if I want to commit to going to church. I'm looking for the perfect church, man. One that preaches prophecy, one that preaches, you know, all the criteria that I want them to preach. You no longer have that privilege in the last days. You don't have it. Check yourself. I got to It's not that we doubt our salvation. It's that there are some people in the church a lot now that are just there for love. Why do you go to church? For love. People love me. And I love them too. As a heart. Why do you go to church? I go there to be equipped and to use my spiritual gift and hear from others that they can equip me. B, bring the person to Jesus that you're concerned about. You say, what? I, I, who am I concerned about? Is there someone in your life that needs to hear the gospel that you have been putting off? It's the person that you dread most. You got the name in your head? I see people are like, oh, oh, yeah, There's there's names popping into heads right now. I want you to follow with me in this passage, Mark chapter 5. Now, it could be somebody struggling with neo-paganism. It could be a grandchild. It could be somebody that you can see is making some bad decisions. You could see outright maybe demonization, and you're like, wow, um, I'm just going to make up a name. Wow. Wow. Um, Amber is really out of control. This is her fifth arrest, and she's got neo-pagan tattoos and listens to this music, and all of the evidence is there. Who is going to step into her life and say, Amber, it looks like you're going through some hard stuff. Talk to me. Rather than, shame on you for your fifth arrest, look at your neo-pagan tattoos, you are a real piece of work, the devil has your heart. How do you think she's going to respond to that? I don't think she's going to respond healthy. Now, I want to give you just a passage just to show you that you shouldn't be scared of demonic forces. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. I'm just going to read that. We're going to have a public reading of scripture right now. Verse 5. Sorry, Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 13. Then they, the disciples, came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, this is before the resurrection, before the resurrection, he ran and worshiped him and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, and this is the man coming to Jesus, the man, okay? The demons aren't worshiping Jesus, the man is coming and he's struggling. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. This is the, the influence of the demons on the man's mind, recognizing Jesus, so that they are trying to figure out what their next step is. And then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. So now it's not just a demon. On a man, influencing the man, he confesses that we are a legion. Many. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains, so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And once Jesus gave them permission, then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about... 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Why do I share this story? If greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, then the same Jesus that's resurrected with his spirit dwells in you. That would explain when many of you in the church throughout church history have encountered evil situations that may be intimidating, even though you have a sinful nature, you are called to walk into scenarios clinging to the spirit of God, not your own strength. Even if there are many evil spirits going on, you can confidently deal with that by simply praying, Jesus, give me the wisdom to handle this because I know you care more about this soul than I do, and I'm here right now to deal with it no one else is if there's others form a team and go in and do ministry to set people free this young man or this man had thousands of demons cast out of him and I love how it's engineered any Jewish person that was looking on this is going to say wow these demons asked for another home and they settled for pigs And the Jewish people, that is the lowest animal on the scale of their hierarchy of animals. And and it's not even a food, it's a disgusting animal. Even the pigs sensed the demons and the demons left as they committed suicide. The demons are not even worthy of the lowest animal within Judaism and the onlicker of the Jews looked at that and said, wow, Jesus is way more powerful than we ever imagined. That is the same Jesus that lives inside you. Check your life and your walk with the Lord. You can't afford not to anymore. There's too much chaos going on in the world. Bring people to Jesus. You don't have to talk to demons. You don't have to have conversations with them. If the person wants to get rid of the demons, bring the person to Jesus. They, the demons... Understand who Jesus is and they understand that in one weekend. Jesus conquered them He conquered sin death and demonic forces in a weekend now lastly And then we're going to transition finally When you're dealing with people I don't want to get weird on you, but I want you to see that this is biblical Get people to pray out loud and express themselves lead them pray with them out loud If it's your child, if they're not comfortable, work your way up to that. In Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, it says, what does it say? The word is near to you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. I'm going to close with this. Years ago, somebody calls me and says, we have a situation. I said, what is that? Um, I have a friend that can't get rid of a demon. She's been through mental uh, health. She's been on drugs. Nothing works. I said, well, um, you know, if she wants, bring her in. You see, the person has to want this. If they want to cling to the demon, there's not much you can do. You can't, you can't do much. It's like an alcoholic that wants to stay with alcohol. There's not much you can do. I'm talking about the people that are really struggling. They say, that's it. I can't stand it anymore. Okay? You're going to see more of this, folks. She came to the church. She went into incident. Her boyfriend didn't know what to do. We got her up to my office, and we sat her down, and she stopped talking. And uh, I said, I know you can hear me if you, you know, ask Jesus to free your tongue. Two seconds. I can talk. I can talk. I prayed that prayer. I can talk. I said, well, it gets better. Trust me, okay? <laughs> and she's, she's still an in incident, okay? And uh, she says, I want to repent. I know where this started. It's because I was sexually abused by my stepfather over and over again as I was growing up. And I was introduced to Satanism. It gave me a false sense of power and control over the world, which I had no sense of power and control. Things got a hand. I went deep into it. And now the demons constantly torment me. And they shake my body. And there's nothing I can do. I said, let's repent of that right now. I asked her to pray out loud. And she said, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I've opened up this door. I didn't know what would happen. I'm asking for your forgiveness. I said, okay, it gets better. I said, what if we were to do a God swap? What if we were to take whatever God is in your heart and you gave it up and you put Jesus in there instead? She said, yeah, I I want, how do I do that? I said, it's very simple, just ask him. And she said, Lord Jesus, will you come in to be my Lord and Savior? And from that point, now th- my particular observation of this, and you're, you, when you do ministry, it may look differently, but she, she, there was a struggle, and then she collapsed in the couch, and her boyfriend was like, <laughs> he was a non-believer. He didn't know what was going on. And I looked at him, I said, so what are your thoughts? He said, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. And she left. You know, I wanted to know how she was doing, and so two weeks later, I contacted her. And she said, I found a job. I'm holding down this job. I'm going to a church, and Jesus is showing me so much more peace and forgiveness. I'm so glad I found Jesus. (laughs) Daniel said, the days will increase in evil. We see that. Check The Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he was in the world. We know that's true. You've heard the stories, check. Now I'm asking you, stick close to Jesus. Find out people that need to hear about Jesus. Put your fears aside and understand that the power that is in you is more than capable of being the next power of that person. It is called Jesus, and it's a person. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. The question is, do you believe that? The second question is, are you prepared to do something about it? I will leave that to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. We thank you for our first session. We thank you for the day ahead. We pray for your blessings, and we do pray, Father, as the day goes by, that you will speak to each one of us in our own way so that we would know our Clear plan as a result of today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Pastor Mike Golay, the Director of Operations of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Telegram. Download our free app available on Android and Apple under Behold Israel. And don't forget to visit our website, beholdisrael.org.